0: Good. So glad to have you here this morning with us as my uh, thing is not holding up. Uh, we, uh, if you were with us last week, we, we were talking about some cultural things that are, what's wrong? Do I want, no, I'm short, so I think I'll be all right. Eddie can fix anything. You know, when I first met Eddie, am I not, well, let me, first of all, let me say this. Um, it looks like someone's wearing a Tom Brady jersey over here for my birthday. Actually, it is not for my birthday. She would never do that for my birthday. It's because she lost a bet. That is why she's wearing a Brady jersey, the bet she lost four months ago, but that's all right. I'm not, I'm not holding a grudge. Um, Eddie can fix anything, but I'm all right. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> we are uh, in this series and on the Holy Spirit and and uh, one of the things we're doing is we're, we're saying, if you, if you have any questions, you can text them in. Now, I say that, and then I get going, and I forget to answer the questions. So I want to come full circle and answer those. But first, I, I want to talk about um, some—and I'm going to do this regularly, and I hopefully they'll keep it short and a little bit under control—but but church and culture. There's so many things happening in the culture today that I want to just kind of give some little hits on what's going on church and culture-wise. And right now, uh, one of the things I saw this week that, that has to be said is Erin is Healy, who is a U.S. representative in our country. And this is what she said. Extremist groups, uh, Family Heritage Alliance said this morning that the safest place for kids are in the families um, that have a married mom and dad. And then she says this, what a dangerous and un-American belief. Don't tell me they're not trying to attack our families. Don't tell me that your kids aren't under attack. Don't tell me that your marriage is under attack. They don't even hide it anymore. They just come right out and say it. Culture, sorry, I'm getting getting mad already. Sorry. Do I need my table and my chair? (sighs) My my chair. All right. Let's shift into culture, church, and culture in another another way. Um, The the Asbury revival. Have you guys heard about what's going on throughout the country? I, you know, a couple things. One. Uh, I am so done with Christians. You know why? Because they, they just, they shoot their own. Now, let, let's, let's see. It, it, Ashbury, this is what we see we're about. A marathon worship enters its 10th day. Marathon, 24-7. You know, they said similar services are growing in other campuses. They said this. It was totally organic, student-led, At 2 a.m., there were 150 to 200 students in the chapel seeking God's face and praying for revival on their campus. God is up to something, yet we have Christians that are bagging on it. What is a revival? I don't know if this is a revival. It very well be, or it may be an awakening. I don't know. You know, usually when you see revival, you're a few years out looking back. But I do know this: the key attributes of a revival are prayer repentance, holiness and salvation and, and that's going on let me just say don't be a Pharisee I, I, I'm reading these posts and, and hearing these things from Christians oh it's not revival oh there's crazy stuff you know what, you read these scriptures and, it, 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 and, and you, you get truth out of it but there's some things that I see and hear and I go that's crazy stuff don't be a Pharisee. Gosh, hundreds of kids are on their faces worshiping God. And you have a problem with it? I'm not saying you. Hundreds of kids in our nation are crying out to God for purpose. And we're going, oh, that's not God's moving. There's, there's this and that going on and it doesn't really account for revival. Dear Jesus, forgive us. Have mercy on us. Let's pray Pray that God might break out revival in this place. Pray that he, that he, that he might do some of these things here. Pray that, 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 that we'll come into repentance, that, that we'll walk in holiness and, and salvation will come forth in this place, in Cedar House, at, at, at Mariners, at, at all these churches in this area. Don't get on the bandwagon and start hammering on these things. I just, it just grieves my heart. It grieves my heart. It's not even my message, sorry. <sighs> I do need a chair and a table to calm down. All right, we're in, we're in the holiness of God. We're in this, this series on the holiness of God. And last week, I talked about some issues that are, were, were pretty serious. And, and if you have not, or uh, you can go back and listen to it. But before I get that, I want to answer a couple of the questions that were asked last week. One of the first questions was, what is the church, PPC, doing about abortion and single mothers? Not enough. But we do support and pay for five ultrasounds a month uh, more for women who had unplanned pregnancies. We support them. And, and because statistically they say 80% of all women who see the baby in their, in their womb don't go through with abortion. Um, we need to do more. Uh, you know what I need? I need someone, a volunteer who goes, this is my heart, I wanna be in the front of this thing. We'll come behind you and walk with you, give you the resources, pray with you, do all those things. But I, I, I'm going 50 directions. She, I need someone who goes, I, I want to champion this for our church. That That's what I want. Second question, what is the church, PPC, doing about LGBTQ? Right now, as I'm asking, love, respect, and be intentional relationally. I, 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 I don't know. Again, I would ask and, and go, hey, how can we... Love better. How can we be more intentional? Um, I'm open. But this is our church. It's not my church. It's our church. So I need you guys to step up and, and walk with me in these things. But we are doing something. I, we, there's more we need to do. There's more we need to do. All right. So questions that you have this week, text them in at this, this number up top um, if if you would like to ask something this week, and hopefully I'll remember it. It's Next... Uh, can we put that in the bottom? It just throws my mind because I'm so ADD. You don't have to do it right now, but whenever. <laughs> Sorry. My mind's going It's my birthday. I can be disjointed, right? I can be all over the map. And some of you are going, you're all over the map every week. So it's not just your birthday. It's every week. Um, this is the quote that we, we, uh, that we used last week. Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak, not to act is to act. And, and, and we're talking about what do we do in the midst of what is going on today in this world? How do we deal with LGBTQ? How do we deal with woke issues? How do we deal with trans issues? How do we deal with abortion? How do we deal with these things? And that's what we're talking about. And this week, I want to I dive a little deeper into that. And uh, start with our scripture. If you'd stand with me as we read our scripture today, I would appreciate it. As we read the Word of God, how hey, you like my orange glasses? Come on, I know all of you are thinking something. So let's just get the elephant out of the room, okay? They look good, thank you. Okay, First uh, Corinthians fifteen three through four. For I delivered as to you of first importance. What I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with Scripture. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for truth. I thank you for your compassion. I thank you for who you are, God. I pray that you'd speak to us this morning. God, you give us eyes to see and ears to to hear, Lord, that we might worship you, that we might glorify you in every aspect of our life. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Holiness and compassion run on parallel tracks. This is what we said last week. But our culture would have you believe that you can't say that you love God, that you can't walk in this holiness and not be intolerant of others, uncompassionate. The, the world would say that if you love God, that if you believe in God, that on the other side of that rail is that you're not a compassionate person. And what we talked about last week is how that is not true. That truly to love God is to be compassionate to others. And we looked at two scriptures specifically, there are more, where Jesus debunks this. In Matthew 22, he says, love God and love people. And he, goes, and he says this, that all the commandments hang on these two. That when you love God, when you have an encounter with the creator of heaven and earth, when you have an encounter with his goodness, you can't help but love others. There shouldn't be a disconnect. In John 8, we see where the woman who was caught in adultery, and last week we talked about that, and and she's standing there, and and Jesus says, you know, where are your accusers? All these people with rocks that want to stone you, where'd they go? And she's like, they're gone. And Jesus says, well, neither do I condemn you. But he didn't leave it at this this place, you know? We go, how do we deal with sinners? He didn't leave it there. He also came over on the other side and said, now, go and sin no more. Go and sin. Incredibly compassionate. He didn't beat the hell out of her, and he told her not to sin. Church, we like to beat the hell out of people and then tell them not to sin. We like to condemn. We like to hang weights on them. We like to put guilt on them and go, don't sin anymore. And they go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why do I want to see your Jesus? Part of the problem with the church is we have to win. I I love to win. It's one of my strengths and one of my weaknesses. I hate to lose. I hate... Okay, I'll confess. I cheat with my children so I can win. They know. Part of the problem now is they got to catch me cheating. I can't... To lose... I, I don't act like you've never done that, and do not judge me, okay? But they know this. They, they. I'm not good at it, but I, I hate losing. I play hockey two, three days a week, and and people ask me why are you so intense? We're just playing men's pickup hockey, and there, I don't know. There's something in me from a little kid to today. I have to. I, I just want to win. I love to win. I have to see. Like we're playing last week, and and. And it, we play up games up to five. And and um, they, I said we had five. I counted five, which I can count to five usually. Um, but the other team said it was four. And I, I interrupted the whole game for probably five minutes arguing with the other team and counting each goal specifically because I had to win with a bunch of 30, 40-year-old men <laughs> that have never played hockey before. <laughs> I understand I'm a loser. But I just... I won. Um, But I won because they're like, we don't care anymore, let's just play. (laughs) Kind of what my kids do. (laughs) We have to win. And unfortunately in the church, too many times we'd rather win an argument than win a soul. I'd rather take my stand on wokeness and dig my heels in then then maybe have an opportunity to lead someone to Jesus. I want to be right is more important than the holiness of God. I want to be right is more important than God's goodness and who he is. And I I know I'm the only one. I get it. Church, it's got to change. What did Jesus do? Jesus put on shoes. Jesus put on shoes. He was empathetic. Jesus would literally take his shoes off and step into the shoes of others to experience, to understand, and to walk with them so that they might experience him. It wasn't about the win. But Jesus was very clear: go and sin no more. But but he would put on shoes. I want to look at five models or Jesus' models where he models five different shoes okay and and what I brought today and you can 't really see it on this side but but I brought my my not my shoe rack, a shoe rack from our house that was in our, our kids with with different different shoes in there and, and, and Jesus models five different shoes that he steps into um, and, I, and I want us to 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 really think about your life and, and really I want to challenge you to stop for a moment and go. Do I step into the shoes of others? I want to start with a story that I've told many a time. So if you've heard it, just, just bear with me and smile and shake your head like it's, it's the first time you heard it and make me feel good on my birthday. Um, I was listening to Jim Rome. And Jim Rome was talking uh, to some, some guy. And he was talking about how a basketball player, uh, Philadelphia 76ers, um, Allen Iverson had lost a fortune, $100 million. He's made over $100 million in his career. And he had lost all this money. And this guy was on the radio, just raging. That idiot, I can't believe. And, and this guy, hundreds of millions of dollars, and he's got these people around him, and he's this and that. And to Jim Rohn's credit, I, I was blown away. Jim Rohn goes, hold on, hold on a second. He's like, do you live in Orange County? And the guy's, yes, I live in Orange County. And he's like, I can't believe. And he's like... Hey, hey! By by, by any chance, are you driving a BMW? I thought, wow, he's a prophet, Jim Rome. (laughs) And the guys like the guys like, yeah, I'm driving a BMW. And he says this. He says he says, do you have a mom and dad in your house? This is a secular, you know, sportscaster. The guy's like, yeah, I got a mom. He's like, don't you tell me about a guy who grew up in the city with no dad in his home, having to fend for his life with a gun, living the way he lives, never been taught about money, never been taught about how to deal with money. Don't you come in here and tell him how life is. I was like, whoa. In the picture is this, that you and I step in these shoes and make these judgments, and it's complete foolishness. Whereas Jesus does these things. The, the first one is, is Jesus emptied himself. Philippians 2, 6 through 8. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as a thing of being grasped. He emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in likeness of men, being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself ...and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus gave up his divinity, fully God, don't understand all this... ...but fully God still gave up his divinity to walk amongst us... ...to relate to what you and I are doing and have done and what we have struggled with. Now now this means that he submitted himself to the power of the Holy Spirit. That Jesus came outside and submitted himself to the Father and the Holy Spirit... All the person of Christ was bound to lower himself to the point of a slave. Words have meanings, and the, the, the word here in kenosis means that he emptied himself as a slave would to some someone else. So so when we talk about what Jesus did, he came and emptied himself to literally be a slave to others. Self-emptying is incredibly challenging. For those who consider themselves somewhat endowed with superior superiority uh, compared to others. I don't struggle with that. I don't think I'm superior to anybody. Serious. She, she totally laughed. I, 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 it's even more difficult for those who consider themselves as equal. To, to empty yourself in a room with people or outside of a room, out there with someone with people that, that you look at as being superior to. This is really uncomfortable for me. How do you walk in holiness and compassion? Yet you have to become a slave to others who offend you. This one, these shoes are difficult for me to put on. I don't like it. I've, I've done this before, you know. These shoes are not easy. To empty myself and walk in the shoes of some of these people, dear Jesus, sorry about the foot rot, Chris. Oh, gosh, yeah. Walking in these shoes is painful. It's uncomfortable. (laughs) To empty yourself outside of yourself. Jeff, they look good on me, I know. But (laughs) I don't like emptying myself with political enemies. It's incredibly uncomfortable to walk in To situations with people who walk in Antifa. I don't want to empty myself. I want to be right. Jesus emptied himself. It's painful. I don't know how you women do this. <laughs> or why. Don't do it for us. Don't do it. I don't I'm not comfortable in these shoes. When we sit and we we have conversations about about politics and religion and we have conversations about abortion and 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 and, and it's it's just not comfortable and and I I'm not willing to step outside of myself and step into someone else's shoes. But Jesus emptied himself and stepped into their shoes. And if we did it for a moment, we might realize how they grew up, what they went through, what they did in life. And, And instead of having to win the argument, there's a willingness to go, okay, God, I'm gonna trust you. Why do I always have to win when it comes to being politically correct? Is there a scorecard? I wish I was this tall. That's why you guys do that. How do we walk in holiness and compassion? We, we step into the, the I can't do this anymore we step into the shoes of people that aren't like us. You're not going to wear those ever again. We step into the shoes of people that we don't agree with. We bring compassion and holiness. We can become slaves to those that offend us. You want to talk about difficult? Giving your life for someone who you just do not like? Number two, Jesus' heart broke for others. His heart broke for others. It, it, it says this in 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is, is not slow to fulfilling His promises. Some count slowness, but His patience toward, patient toward you. Not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. The compassion that God has is he's not going, I like this guy, I don't like this guy, I don't like this girl, I like this guy, I don't like this girl. He's like, no, I wish that all would come unto me. He has compassion for everyone, that everyone would know him. It, 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 when we look through these scriptures, we see a compassionate Jesus, Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. His heart was broken for the people. In John 11, and 33 and 35, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And then the, the great verse in John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. There was a brokenness to him for others, for you, for me. See, what's critical is the heart, Christians. Your heart is critical. The Bible considers the heart the gateway, where everything comes in and goes out. It produces things that, that we think the mind does, but it really it, it, it starts in your heart. And Luke 6.45 says, The good person out of the good treasures of his heart produces good. The evil person out of the evil treasures produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Why do we need to protect our hearts? Because above all else, guard your heart carefully because your life flows from it. Your life flows from it. How do our hearts become hardened? Our hearts become hardened because of pride, because of sin, because of unrepentant sin, because of of suffering a setback in your life that just throws you on your heels and and all these things help harden your heart. And the Bible says that, that we've got to guard our heart because when your heart gets hard and you step into a situation with people that you don't know, that you don't agree with, you know what you do? You get real hard. And you stand on it and you say things like, Jesus would would never you stand on this truth that you twist and you go Jesus would send you to hell or Jesus is not going to put up with that and you take this scripture and you totally throw out the compassion of Jesus to win the point to win the point how do you keep your heart soft I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you Joshua this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it night and day, so that you may be careful to do according to what is written in it. For then you will make your ways prosperous, and then you will have good success. How do you walk in holiness and compassion? This one is, is, is a little bit easier for me. This one, I, I can... I, 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 just I don't know but this one it's a little easier to slip on these shoes and this week we went to dinner on on Valentine's Day and Chris and I and and, and we went to this certain restaurant and, and and we get to this restaurant and in this restaurant was a young man dressed as a young woman my initial reaction is this is crazy what is he thinking and 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 then I start, stopped for a moment and, and, and slipped on the shoes and go, what has this young man gone through in his life? How, how did he get to this point? What is the story that I've never heard? And, and he was standing with, with a manager to the side. He had just started working there, and uh, Chris and I were there, and, and we kind of just called him over and said, hey, how's it going? And it wasn't anything big. I'm no superstar. We're not super Christians. But, but I, I just wanted to step a little bit into his shoes and just say, Hello. How's Valentine's? And and in my heart, I'm going, Dear Jesus, what is is going on here that I don't know? God has called us to step into the shoes of others. My initial thought was the moment that I made a judgment. Then "Whoa, whoa, Whoa, hold on. Let me slip on these shoes and see what might I have missed. The third thing, that Jesus did, is he walked with sinners. He walked with sinners. Now, um, this is an interesting one because the Pharisees beat the heck out of him because of that. (laughs) Jesus was a friend of sinners. He often drew fire from the the, the scribes and the Pharisees. Luke 15, 2 says, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Dear Lord, he eats with sinners. The Pharisees would, would throw in insults at him. The same Pharisees that are talking about Ashbury and, and, and moves of God. Those same Pharisaical spirit. They said, the Son of Man came to eat and drink. And you say, here's a glutton and a drunkard. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. That, that spirit that is self-righteous. That sits in us in, in judgment, judgment, judgment. What do these shoes look like that Jesus... Walked in. Sinners were drawn to him because he had compassion. Jesus gladly spent time with sinners who were open to his teaching. He didn't chase them down, he didn't run them away. Jesus forgave repentant sinners. And Jesus called balls and strikes and he said, This is sin. This isn't sin. Don't sin anymore. And some of them walked away. The rich young said, I can't handle this. And he walked away, but they were attracted to Jesus, sinners were. Jesus is a friend of sinners, not because he ignored their sin. Jesus is a friend of sinners, friend of sinners, and then he came to save them. This one is way, these shoes are way too comfortable for me. How do you walk in holiness and compassion? You walk with people you don't walk with. You walk with Sinners. The problem with that is, is these Uggs are really comfortable. There's like fur inside. They have a nice sole. And uh, too many times I, I feel really comfortable slipping in the shoes of my center buddies. Too often this is, is, a, is a real comfort place. Too often when I'm playing hockey and I'm, we're yelling and screaming at each other and, and darn comes out. You know better. Uh, see, part of the problem with stepping in the shoes of, of your sinner friends is that, that they don't they can't tell the difference between you as a sinner and you as a Jesus follower. And and man, it's just they're just comfortable. Why? Because I have a sin nature. Why? Because because I I, I I've been there, walking this. But, but Jesus says you're a new creation in Christ. You, you don't have to walk in this. Oh, but they're real comfortable, Jesus. Yet Jesus was a friend of the sinners. And there's this tension of, of being able to walk in the shoes of those and, and not become one of those more than you already are. It's not easy. It's not easy. And, and, and you've got to be careful about stepping into these shoes. But very clearly, Jesus does step into the shoes of sinners. That's why they're so attracted to him that's why some walked away because he had this balance of, of holiness and compassion and he called out their sin The next one is is, uh, is that uh, Jesus served sinners he served them he washed their feet you can't see these. You don't want to wash these. You want to be nowhere near them. They're not pretty. Jesus, it says in John 13, 4 through 5, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began washing the feet of the disciples, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. One of the most humbling of all acts in the time. Imagine, you know, they're wearing sandals, and there's dirt everywhere, and they don't have manicures and pedicures and all that stuff back then, and Jesus just is washing their feet, the creator of heaven and earth, washing their feet. Now, now, here, here's what you, most people don't see. You got to kind of jump one verse before that in John 13, 3, because this explains everything. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And he had come from God and was returning to God. Look, if you can answer these three questions, I talk about this regularly. If you can answer these three questions in life, you'll be the most secure person that walks on this earth, as Jesus was. And the three questions that he was able to answer are this, his purpose, his origin, and his destiny. He knew what he had come to earth for. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Jesus knew that he was going to give power away so that we could have life. Jesus knew that he would go to a cross and that he would die for our sins. He knew his purpose very clearly. He knew where he had come from. He had come from the Father. The Holy Spirit and God the Father sent Jesus to this earth so that you and I might have life. And then thirdly, he knew where he was going. He knew his destiny was at the right hand of the Father, that he would suffer an incredible death, that he would go into the grave and the third day he'd rise again. Why he was here, where he came from, where he is going? If you could answer those questions, where your life would be completely different. Yeah, Jesus understood this, therefore he's able to wash feet. How do we walk in holiness and compassion? We wash feet. These are are difficult. They're high tops, and and to get them get them on, you know, is is not. Compassion and, and washing feet and stepping in someone's shoes to wash your feet is hard in fact I don't even want to put these on they feel gushy I, 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 I don't want to wash your feet I, I don't want to help you move I don't want to bring you a, even though I have a truck dear Lord don't get a truck everybody thinks you should move them you know what I'm talking about, Rick. The, the, these shoes are not comfortable for me to put on. Because I, I've got to get outside of myself, know who I am, and be secure that I came from the Father, that I'm going back to the Father. But, but I've, got to, I've got to grab a hold of you and your feet and wash them. I've got to touch the dirt. I, I've got to feel the calluses on the feet. I, I, I've, I've got to empty myself to walk with someone else. You know, it's so easy to sit up here and and go, BLM or 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 abortion or pick any CRT CRT is that it? Um, I don't know. Pick one of the woke topics right now and just go. You, you just just hammer away at it. not be willing to go love and serve any of those people. So easy, so much easier to stand up here and yell about them than it is to go and walk with them. And walk in their shoes. The, the last one is is that Jesus died for them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The hope of the Gospel Jesus died for them He died one of the greatest mysteries of Christianity to me is this mark eight thirty four and calling the crowd to him and his disciples, he said to them, "If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me the great great mystery of this this scripture is that I I, I find very few Christians who are willing to do this. Very few Christians who are willing to die. Who are willing to get up each day and die to themselves. Who are willing to pick up the cross of Jesus and love others as Jesus loved them. Who are willing to get up in the morning before they do anything else, before they put a foot on the ground. They go, okay God, I'm going to die today and I want to die really well so that you are resurrected in me. We just jump into the day. We start making judgments on the day. And then about halfway through, we realize we said something stupid or we offended someone or or the Holy Spirit convicts us. We go, oh goodness, sorry. And then we just keep going. Meanwhile, we missed a whole opportunity to preach the gospel to someone by loving them and serving them. We, we, We don't die to our own selves. This is a tough one. It's hard to put on these shoes because you, you got to untie all your own stuff before you put them on in someone's life and you can die for them. you gotta, you got to untie the, the, the stuff that, that you have in your mind and the stuff that you have that, that just sits before you. And then, then you put them on and you're like, oh, i got to die. It feels like I'm going to die wearing these shoes. But I've got to die to everything I want and everything that I am and who and what and how and, 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 and everything that I think that I am. I've got to crucify they're not comfortable but I I can't possibly I can't possibly jump into someone's life and be the man God has called me to be unless I die to myself because my pride I know way too much in my own mind I I got the answers in my mind Tell you what, buddy, this three-point step will will turn you into the Republican man of God you need to be. Is that Jesus' goal? No. These shoes hurt. But death does hurt. Jesus spread his arms and took nails in his hands and his feet and a crown and bled and and was pierced for our sins. Death is painful. I don't want to do it. But when I die, when I wake up to my own self, the beauty is there's a resurrection that takes place. And, and in that resurrection, I, I, I'm able to walk in my shoes of who God has called me to be and and. and and, and have awareness of where God has directed me. And the moment that he says, put on their shoes, these come off and I step in the shoes of someone else to love them the way that Jesus loved them, to serve them the way that Jesus calls me to serve them, to be the man or woman of God he's called us to be. But it starts in this place of death. We're not really good at that. We want to preserve our lives. We don't want to give it away. But it's in that death. Holy Spirit brings life and resurrects. Critical to being a Christian. So much easier. So much easier to go for the win. So much more difficult to die. How do I walk in holiness and compassion? It's a daily death death to myself, to my wants, my needs. It's being resurrected in this word. and Listening to Christ. Listening to the Holy Spirit. What do your shoes look like these days? What do they look like? A few questions. Are sinners drawn to you because of your sin or Jesus? Do you spend any time with others who don't seem open to the gospel? Have people experienced God's grace in your life? Have they tasted the grace of God on you? It's palatable. God's grace is palatable. You can taste it. It it oozes. It should ooze off of you. Do you ever call balls and strikes? Or is it always, ah, I don't want to touch that. I don't want to say that. Jesus very compassionately told the woman, look, we're your accusers. Neither do I accuse you. Now sin no more. Go and live your life with purpose. Don't walk in that sin anymore. That's what he calls us to. That's who he calls us to be. The heart of God is that he wishes that none should perish. You know what compassion is? Compassion is telling them about a Jesus who died on the cross for their sins, that they might have eternal life. Compassion is, is, is not in not telling about their sin. Compassion is about telling them about their sin. And, and, and even more importantly, them seeing and tasting God's grace off your life. That's Compassion. Jesus modeled empathy and he did something about it he walked in our shoes he walked in our shoes that's what God's calling us to the church is called to be holy to be set apart we're called to stand for truth righteousness and justice with others we're called to compassion and we do that by reading God's word each day By praying and communing with God, by worshiping daily, that's how we do it. My my question then for you is: Are you willing to walk in someone else's shoes to love others as Jesus loved them, or do you have to win? Let's pray.